0: When I first launched the Simple Sales Blueprint back in January of 2020, I knew that sharing the story of how and why I developed Simple Sales in my business was an important part of teaching the process. But to be honest, that wasn't an easy thing to do. The truth was that prior to my marriage of 14 years falling apart, I hadn't ever really been motivated enough to take a long, hard look at how my business ran and how much money I was making, (laughs) or not making, as the case turned out to be. My divorce really was a catalyst for the whole process that led to me developing the simple sales system. But talking about personal things like divorce isn't really something that comes easily for me, even when I'm just with friends, and certainly not when I'm talking to a group of people that I've never met. However, over the past couple of years, I have found over and over that sharing that story has helped now hundreds of people look harder and think more deeply about their own businesses. And it's actually helped many people start to create more sound systems, whether they ultimately need those to weather some sort of personal situation like a divorce, or whether it's just so that their business runs better for them and is more profitable and sustainable. And if those kinds of results (laughs) are what I can get just from stepping out of my comfort zone and doing some, you know, personal sharing, well, I am 100% here for it. And so is my guest today. Cassidy Parker-Smith has her own story that she is going to share of personal circumstances that forced her to make some hard changes and choices about her own business, and I know that what she has to share is going to be a huge inspiration to you. It certainly has been to me. So without further ado, let's cue the music. Welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. My name is Anami Tonkin, and I help photographers run profitable, sustainable businesses that they love. Each week on the podcast, I cover simple, actionable strategies and systems that photographers at every level of experience can use to earn more money in a more sustainable way. Running a photography business doesn't have to be that hard. You can do it, and I can show you how. Hey, Cassidy, welcome to This Can't Be That Hard. It's so great to have you on the show. How are you today? Thanks so much for having me on. I'm so excited to be here. Uh, You have been a part of my online community. You're in my course. I feel like I have gotten to know you now for, what has it been, over a year. And you always have such amazing uh, insights to share and thoughts to share. And I... uh, I when I heard more about your story, I was like, this is a story that I want to share even wider. So today we're talking about investing in yourself. And before I go anywhere with that, I'm just going to have you kind of do an introduction about who you are and um, and give us kind of the background on why you and I are talking about this.
1: Yeah. So I'm a wedding and family photographer in St. Louis, and I also do creative coaching for other small businesses. And I've been in business since 2013, but I've taken periods off to have kids and stay home with my kids. And now with both of them in full-time school, I realized I have more energy and time to invest in my business and it's kind of a pivotal moment where I see, do I want to continue being self-employed? Do I want to kind of see what else is out there in the job market? But, um, you know, personally going through a lot of changes after COVID and I think a lot of us can relate to that. Um, I had a lot of changes I had come up unexpectedly. And when I found your course, you know, simple sales system and you talking about your personal experience getting divorced and how that kind of impacted your financial independence and security. I was inspired and I started doing simple sales system blueprint, which dramatically changed my business. And I believe it helped kind of change the way I saw budgeting and finance and how I started to make changes myself um, because I had to, Mm -hmm. you know, I was, I'm newly divorced, and when you go through a major life event without sounding like an insurance agent, when you go through a life event like divorce, you're kind of forced to make a change and to look at the way you're doing business, and it changes the way you charge for things. It changes how you budget for your business expenses, and I kind of had to get real and then either choose to invest in myself or find a job, Um, and I'm not an expert in this, by any means, I still feel like I'm going through the process. But you know, when you look at forecasting your income and you're not sure if you're going to be able to pay your bills, any guilt you have for raising your rates just goes out the window immediately. Um, when you are forced to budget and look at your expenses, look at your mortgage, paying for groceries, paying for childcare you know, you can't offer discounts to clients. Your clients have to pay on time. It kind of changes the way you run your business and you treat it more like a career than a expensive hobby, which I think a lot of us can relate to. Um, You know, my income is no longer supplemental income. It is my income. And when I looked at the job market, the jobs that, you know, you had to work 40 hours a week in an office paid as much as i was already making in my business mm-hmm. and it was eye opening and i thought well i already have this career i just should just invest in myself and see where i can go with it now that i'm
0: treating my expenses like real money that's going out the door right it goes from the sort of like monopoly money game <laughs> to being a a real matter, I mean, not to make it more dramatic, it's not life or death, but it's, you know, it feels like that. It feels like, you know, this is a make it or break it kind of a place. Um, yeah, obviously, I can 100% relate exactly to what you're talking about. And, you know, it's funny for me, <laughs> I feel like uh, the idea that anyone gets Uh, help or inspiration from me in the financial realm still makes me kind of like look over my shoulder and be like, are you talking about me? Because it was something that I was so, I was like a self-identified money phobe. I mean, not that I was like afraid of having money, but I was afraid of like looking too closely at money or talking about it too much or anything like that. Um because yeah for all of the sort of normal reasons like having insecurity about it and fear about it and like if I look too closely I'm going to realize that I'm doing it all wrong or like what if somebody finds out that this is all smoke and mirrors or whatever the case you know whatever those feelings were based in for me like you it took this sort of clarifying moment of like shit or get off the pot like you have to run a business or you have to go be part of someone else's business. Um, so tell me a little bit about when you came to that conclusion, What, how, how did you navigate that? What were some of the investments that you decided to make in your business? Yeah, so it's almost embarrassing to admit, but I think, again,
1: a lot of us can relate. We get into this industry because we love the creative aspect of mm-hmm. it. I self-identify as an artist. And so a business plan was, I still had never completed a business plan. I had no idea how much money I needed to make. I had no idea how much my personal expenses were each month. Um, I've always just had enough money. Mm -hmm. And when you're in a dual income home, your income if it's less is treated as supplemental income. Mm-hmm. And you never once think about, well, if I actually had to do this on my own, what would I need to make?
0: Right.
1: And so your calculator, the blueprint calculator and your new one is phenomenal, by the way. Oh, um, thank you. It's it's life changing. Um but when I entered all my expenses in there, I realized I'm undercharging for my time. I I know exactly how much I can get in terms of business, I know how much I can work and still have the balance that I need with my kids. Um, and I was undercharging so much and you kind of have a little bit of, you know, comparison with people in your industry, in your region. And I was charging what I thought we all charged, Mm -hmm. which again, doesn't pay your mortgage. It doesn't Mm -hmm. pay for groceries. So I went through all of my expenses. I now have a five minute daily budget where I go in every morning, drink my coffee and I add every expense that I had the day before into my Excel document. I had paid someone to help me create a custom one. So I know exactly how much money I've spent. I know exactly when money is coming in or not coming in and it completely changed the way I treated my business. And I will make sure that I pay myself first before I spend money on anything that's not absolutely necessary Personally or professionally. So, you know, going through all of those expenses, it is, (laughs) it's almost painful to think back to how much money I had invested on things that weren't totally necessary before that it could have been investing or saving for a rainy day fund like right now. So, you know, I'm no longer going to treat my career like an expensive hobby and, um, so going through all that was a big change. And I also did a lot of research in terms of what software to use to kind of maximize and streamline the work that I do and kind of also treat it like a making it a better client experience for people. So, you know, I now invest in other tools that I help other photographers set up for their business as well. But um, by investing in my own marketing, that's also completely revolutionized how I'm able to get myself out there. Um, personally, I struggle with Instagram and I kind of have a love-hate relationship with it because I don't own Instagram and I have no control over how many eyeballs see what I posted that day. So right. realizing I needed to invest in my own marketing for the first time meant that I had to teach myself how to do a newsletter, how to build a newsletter, you know, email marketing list. Um, but it's helped me batch sell my sessions now. And so I don't have to individually respond to people when they reach out. Now I'm more proactive in contacting people that have inquired with me at the same time, Mm -hmm. um, which saves a lot of energy. And I think it's a better experience for them as well. So um, yeah, I'd say Flowdesk and Calendly and Loom have been my best friends (laughs) throughout all of this. Yep. I can relate to all of those. (laughs) I love it. And when you actually start using new tools that you are using yourself and you're helping your clients, it feels really good. I feel mm-hmm. empowered. I feel like I'm offering a better service to people now than I ever did before. And it helps me see that this investment in my business, in my marketing is paying off. Um, I just booked my largest collection for a wedding that I've ever booked. And I feel like... Thank you. And I know it's because I'm investing in my career and I know, um, before I never would have charged that rate. And now I know I have to, if I want to keep doing this.
0: I love the sort of self-perpetuating cycle that you are, uh, describing here, because I have also experienced that where, when you start to take your business more seriously, other people are taking it more seriously as well, not just in the way That they are, I don't know, like talking to you or respecting you, but literally in the number of dollars that they are willing to give over to you. Um, One of the things that I hear a lot from people is concern about implementing policies or, you know, putting boundaries in place with their clients. And there's this sense of like, well, I feel like they're going to be upset or they're not going to want to work with me anymore, and. All I can say to that is I actually have found the exact opposite to be true, that when you start to and obviously with respect to the people that are hiring you, like I'm not a jerk. I don't Mm -hmm. (laughs) I don't put in policy. I don't put boundaries in place just to put boundaries in place and to like make myself some sort of like impossible to work with diva. I just, you know, I create a way to respect my time and my talent and all that sort of thing, and um, and then and then they respect me more, um, and seem to feel more comfortable working with me. And so I, anyway, that's a long-winded way of saying like, yep, exactly what you just said. <laughs> well, and I've
1: had to reach out to people that were late on monthly payments that they had, and it. It's uncomfortable the first time that you have to do that. But when you actually are sitting down every day and looking at your income and your budget, you realize I can't feel bad reaching out. They know they owe it. Mm -hmm. This money goes to pay my mortgage Mm -hmm. and pay for my groceries. Mm -hmm. So I have to reach out on behalf of my kids and myself. It doesn't serve me to be so overly accommodating on a late payment. So even just reaching out, for a second invoice reminder and getting that paid. Like I never would have done that before. Yeah, (laughs) I would have waited a month, but now I can't wait a month. Um, So yeah, especially with retainers, I wish I had known now what I know in terms of when COVID hit. I feel like it was a time when everyone was reaching out to their vendors to see if they could get retainers back. And I was probably overly empathetic for what they were going through. It was a very traumatic experience for all of us. But now if someone reached out to me to get a retainer back because of something unpredictable like COVID, I wouldn't be able to return their retainer because I have a policy in place now. Mm-hmm. And I would There would be no guilt about that policy being implemented. So right. I wish I had done all this two years ago.
0: <laughs> well, it's like that old adage of, you know, the, the best time to plant a tree is 20 years ago. The second best time is now. Um, yeah. yeah. And I, I think that this is another thing I hear from people a lot when it comes to this sort of thing, like, uh, I've been in business for two or five or even, you know, 10 years or more, and I've never done it this way. And I feel guilty about it. And like, I've never, you know, it's never too late. If you still want to keep going with your business, like now's the time, get it, get your your uh, ducks in a row. Let me ask you this. We're talking a lot about, like, well, now I have to, so there's no question. I have no guilt. I have no whatever. But let's open up, take out a crystal ball and say that, um, you know, five years from now, your business has been going gangbusters. You have saved a whole bunch of money. You are in a very comfortable position financially. You're meeting all your goals, et cetera, et cetera. And someone is late on a payment. What happens then? Do you go back to allowing those kinds of things to slide because you don't need the money or? Hang on, guys. I have a quick message for you. Did you know that This Can't Be That Hard isn't the only podcast I host? Each month, my marketing director, Dana, and I team up to bring you a fresh injection of marketing ideas and inspiration on our other podcast called The Consistency Club. The podcast is free and available to any photographer looking to uplevel their marketing game, or you can take it one step further and join the Consistency Club, where you get the extended version of the podcast along with monthly email and social media templates, bonus trainings, and special access to the live marketing events we host twice a year. If you're interested in tuning in, you can search for and subscribe to the Consistency Club wherever you listen to podcasts. If you'd like to join us in the membership, you can visit go.thiscan'tbethathard.com slash club to sign up.
1: I don't think I'll ever go back to allowing my personal. It's, you know, it's business. It's not personal. Mm-hmm. And if someone owes their monthly Apple phone loan, that loan company is getting their payment regardless mm-hmm. of what's going on in your personal life. And again, I'm I'm a human being. I'm, can be accommodating if there's an absolute crisis happening. Mm -hmm. Um, But I also know that I, I'm not in the business of personal favors. Mm -hmm. I I don't do free shoots anymore for people. I am paying bills and you know, that won't help me retire someday Mm -hmm. if I'm so accommodating on payments. So it also doesn't have to be vicious. You know, I just send a nice reminder. I'm, more cognizant of, you know, not being overly fluffy in my emails as much anymore, because Mm -hmm. I do want to be taken seriously. And, you know, someday if I ever had to bring these skills to a more corporate setting, I would already be used to that policy implementation. And
0: um, yeah, this is not a personal business. This is my career now. Absolutely. No, you, I was imagining (laughs) that that was what you were going to say, but that's also, I same thing, like I'm at a place where um, in, you know, in my uh, in my business that has never wavered, even when I got my legs underneath me financially and was feeling more confident. It actually just made me realize how important that piece was. And the way that I look at it is the same. Like this is not about me attacking somebody. In fact, I am looking at this When I say it's not personal, it cuts both ways. Like I don't take it personally when somebody is late on a payment or takes longer to choose which collection they want or whatever. If I'm having a problem that is recurring, I create a policy about it. And then once I've created that policy, I stick to it. And it's, again, like I'm reaching out to them politely with understanding. I'm a human, all of that. But um, I would rather charge what I need to charge, enforce the rules around that. And then if there is extra, be able to dole that out as I see fit rather than have a client or, you know, somebody else dictate like, well, this is where your this is where your um, charity money is going to go. <laughs> whatever. Like I would rather than take that money and and use it to to further whatever cause or, you know, whatever, including if that cause is a vacation budget or something like that. So anyway, that's excellent. Well, um the other thing that I was really excited for you to share with our audience here today, you've got such amazing strategies, not just on sort of the why you should invest in yourself and why you should take your business seriously but you really had some great insights about how um like if somebody is like yep i need to start thinking more about investing in my business how would you suggest that they go about that
1: so i do this with my one-on-one consulting clients and essentially it's like therapy for your business we kind of talk through. What does your day-to-day look like? What do you struggle with? Um, where are you feeling overwhelmed? What areas of your business aren't working for you anymore? Um, and kind of help them relaunch parts of their business. Also teaching them how to do it themselves, knowing full well that they won't need me forever and they just need someone to kind of get, their, um, it, get them inspired to change something. So yeah. we kind of go through... What do you wish your business looked like? What is your relationship with success? What's your relationship with finances and budgeting? And how can your business work in a more streamlined way so that you're not investing time you don't have or energy that could be going somewhere else? So a lot of the people I work with are fellow moms who are kind of navigating I hate the term mom guilt. I don't experience mom guilt, but I know that people have it. But kind of how to get through that in terms Mm -hmm. of how much can you work? How much do you want to work? um, And helping people come up with um, either helping them forecast what they need to be making or helping them streamline ways to batch their marketing and sales. so They can sell out a year of photo sessions in one launch versus Mm -hmm. waiting for people to contact them. Um, And kind of also going through their websites to see is your website creating a storefront experience for their clients or is it kind of an afterthought? And for a lot of people, it is an afterthought. So um, I feel like I offer constructive criticism and feedback um, to help them and not just kind of ideas that come up like they're based in reality. They're based in actual workflows that they can do.
0: Nice. Yeah. So the real brass tacks approach to like define what success and the health of your business mean, and then find ways to implement them su- such that you can stick to them over the, the longer period.
1: Exactly. Nice. Um, and also awesome. for some people, myself included, it was how do you build your perfect ideal timeline for work? You know, when do you sit down and work? When do you edit? Um, when do you spend time with your kids? When do you take time off to relax and recharge? So for some people, it's just listening to their day and then coming up with a schedule for them and helping them. Um, and these are all easy things that you can do for yourself, but sometimes having someone to confide in and share with makes it feel less lonely and a little easier to get done.
0: Also, sometimes I feel like we need, it's almost like we need someone else to give us permission to do certain things. Um, And so when I, that to me is one of the most beneficial things of working with coaches and mentors um, and even just peers in the industry. I feel like it's, (laughs) sometimes it's easier to give someone else permission to do something than it is to give ourselves permission. Um, That is amazing. And then as far as, with your coaching clients, do you help advise them on sort of the order of operations when it comes to like, okay, you're going to invest, whether investing is time or money, really, because it, it can certainly be both. Um, do you give them like a, a map of this is where we start, you know, this is your top priority, this is your second priority, or do you help them sort of figure that out? How does that work? I
1: it's different for everyone. I think a lot of people come to me with different problems mm-hmm. and a different timeline. So some people are very eager to have me come up with a plan for them. And some, um, I see them less frequently and they kind of, I catch up to see where they're at or we check in on loom in between. Um, but I encourage people to make choices that are great for your business without meeting my permission, but I'm there to support them with whatever mm-hmm. they do decide. So um, for not every time will I come up with a plan for people. Sometimes I'm just helping them implement what they've come up with. Um, which I find works better than, you know, you know, your life better, you right. know, your energy better. Um, but some people just need a little bit more hand holding, and some are able to just take it and run with
0: it on their own and kind of, it's different every time too. Yeah. Um, and this is a question that just occurred to me. Remind me, I feel like I knew this at one point. What is your background before you were a photographer? Yeah.
1: So I worked in a, in New York city in a fashion photography studio. So I worked my way up for seven years. I was the receptionist. Then I moved up to booker and producer and then eventually the studio manager. So, you know, it was, Wish I had taken this information with me when I started my business instead <laughs> of treating it like, oh, it's fun to take pictures and yep. uh, you know, photograph weddings. But I do have a business
0: background yeah. that I'm glad to be using now. I was going to say just the way that you talk about it, like that is so clear that it's part of who you are. But I was just talking to another friend recently about how um, she had worked in like a specifically a marketing corporate world. And when she transitioned into running a a photography business, like all of her knowledge, I mean, the knowledge was there, but like she didn't implement anything. (laughs) So it's uh, it is great that your yours like hers has come full circle. And now that you're able to help other people with that, that's amazing. Well, um, why don't you give us our the punch list of where we can find you?
1: Yeah, so you can find me on Instagram at Cassidy Parker Smith. And I'm more frequently probably sending newsletters now than on Instagram, but um,
0: you can also find me at CassidyParkerSmith.com. Excellent. I will put those links in the show notes, but Cassidy, thanks so much for coming on the show with me today. It was a pleasure as always to get to chat with you.
1: Thank you so much, Anami, and thanks for sharing your story. I know it does help other people. It's helped me, and I hope that even just talking about taboo things like experiencing financial changes from divorce can help someone else, too. That's about
0: to go through it. That means so much. Thank you. I um, I, I know that that is true, and I appreciate you being willing to share your story as well. Thanks, Anami. Well, that's it for this week's episode of This Can't Be That Hard. I'll be back same time, same place next week. In the meantime, you can find more information about this episode, along with all the relevant links, notes, and downloads at thiscan'tbethathard.com learn. If you like the podcast, be sure to hit the subscribe button. Even better, share the love by leaving a review in iTunes. And as always, thanks so much for joining me. I hope you have a fantastic week.